to Gab and Jam, episode 123. That's right. That's right. That's right. So what are we talking about today? Today, we are responding to um, a challenge that we have received individually. Right. From different people. It is the 10 album impact challenge. Yeah. And of course, we're taking it as an opportunity. They say just post the picture and nothing else. But to me, what's the impact if you don't explain? They don't explain why it had an impact. Right. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep our responses brief, but we did want to explain because that's part of sharing. Yeah, the, right. The, it's not the top 10 albums. It's the 10 albums that have had the most impact, impact on Yeah, it. had the most impact. Right? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So, so um, I just gave a clue for, um, and for me, I, I did 10 albums. Okay. But they're not necessarily in order. You know, I, right. I can't say that, okay, this one had the number one right. impact. most impact. I got you. As much as I just selected 10 albums that, you know, I could say, okay, these had a significant impact on me. Mm. And again, of course, I've left out tons of albums. Okay. So not in any particular order. Not in any order of, for me. Of impact. Yeah. For me, it's chronological. I had I went back through and actually did them chronologically just so that it would have some type of shape to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I can do that. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, I gave the clue uh, for the album that's number 10 by Plan. I know what that is, but that is Exodus. Movement of your people. So that is Bob Marley and the Wailers with Exodus. So I don't know. I was during the summer of 76, 75. My cousin Gary had his own apartment, and you know, there was plenty of the the funny cigarettes being smoked in there and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and right. along with that was that Bob Marley album. Cool. And so I just loved going over his house or going over to his apartment because, man, I knew I was going to hear that record. And yeah. it had, like, jamming on it. it. You know, such a natural mistake blowing in the air. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't, I didn't realize how deeply impactful this album would be on me, you know, as years... Since the years went forward, as I actually start to learn how to play instruments, that kind of thing, you know, and I think for me, uh, you know, I liked reggae ever since here, and like I, I can see clearly now. Yeah, I think that might have been like the first reggae song okay. I heard yeah. was that, you know, and then after that, um, you know, Eric Clapton covered "I Shot the Sheriff," mm-hmm. yep, I remember, um, mm-hmm. which also gave me a piece of reggae, and then you know the immersion when I heard this Exodus record and um, I don't even think I knew who it was. Okay. I just knew this was unbelievable and it was just blowing me away. And like stuff, huh? jamming was just my song. So my number 10, not necessarily in that order, but is Exodus. Oh, okay. You're number 10. So we're going to go, we're going to count them down. All right. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with number 10 if that's where we're doing it. Um, my number 10, I guess, is the first album I ever bought, which was the Prince album, which was 1979. I actually saved up money, walked up to the record store in our local neighborhood, and bought the physical album. So that's the reason that was my first album by Prince and led to, uh, of course, many others. So, Prince, what, that was it? Yeah, that's it? Yeah. Nothing more? No. Okay. All right. All right. So, again... Uh, I think I go. 
So you might know that that is limelight, which comes from Russia's moving pictures. So cool. moving pictures is number nine for me. Cool. Uh, I went through a summer. I don't know. Summer of 82, 83, I don't know. But I just spent that summer just learning Rush tunes. But my the gateway drug for me into Rush was the Moving Pictures album. And then so I had to kind of go back after that. But um, when I heard that record, and then, you know, right on the tails of that, and that's why it was kind of really a toying cost for me because it, it really could have also been Signals because uh, Signals with Third World Man and uh, Subdivisions and some of those songs on there was also a big influence on me. So uh, Grace Under Pressure, which came after that, yeah. uh, was also a big influence. So, I mean, it, those albums were just seminal to me as far as bass playing. And so, like, I just kind of spent a whole summer just basically learning Getty Lee's riffs. And, you know, and it really did a lot for me as a bass player. So, my number nine album, Movie Pictures. Sorry. Andrea and Rush. And maybe that was a Freudian slip. It but probably anyway. was. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, my number nine is the Jackson Triumph album, 1980. Um, oh. We had moved to my mom. I call, I call her the Black Gypsy. We had moved to California to stay with my cousin temporarily, and this was an album they had. I had been a Prince fan and didn't, you know, it was the Prince versus Michael Jackson from what I remember at that time. And this was the first thing that got me into liking anything by Michael Jackson. Um, so that was the gateway into he can be valuable, too, that I can like them both. I don't have to wow. choose as much. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and here is my... Um uh, this is eight, right? Yeah. So what it is, yep, yep, number yep. eight. Uh, so number eight is... since I played that but so that is Zenyatta Mangata okay. first one I started off with was uh, when the world is running down you make the best of what's still around cool. the the next one that I attempted to play was Voices Inside My Head uh, and then again <laughs> that album was it so again that was my gateway album into the police so just one Saturday morning I just happened to tune into American Bandstand and Dick Clark said here is the do 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 the da 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 by the police. <laughs> I said, "Oh, the police! I heard it. Now let me check this song out." And I heard that song blew me away. Wow! I was completely wow. floored by that song. That song—it was like after I heard it that one time, I was like, "Where can I hear this song again?" And at that time, especially here in Detroit, did not play the police on the radio that often. And so finally, I finally pulled together my pennies and everything I had and I bought that cassette tape <laughs> wow. of Zenyatta Mandata and that I played that thing to death mm. it just had everything in it it had the funk it had the mm. reggae it had all of that stuff that had influenced me so that was like a seminal album for me as a songwriter as bass player guitar player whatever oh wow that album was it so Zenyatta Mandata by the police. Okay. Number eight. 
Okay, um, my number eight is, again, part of our California experience. Um, we stayed with another friend for a minute, and she had the Gap Band 3 album. I didn't know what it was called, but this was the first time I remember getting into, I guess, the look of a group that it was, you know, with Prince, it was like, oh, it was just a natural thing, it seemed. But with them, it seemed like they took an effort, you know, to have the band pictures and all that. I enjoyed the music, and I kind of saw it as a complete product. And I guess that informs wow. the way I feel about albums today. Wow. Yeah. Burn rubber. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and humping. You yeah. got me humping mm -hmm. day and night, baby, <laughs> baby, 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 Jimi Hendrix from the album Electric Ladyland. I messed it up. But anyway, I'm leaving it in there. Yep. Uh, it's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's me playing it on the fly. But that album blew me away too. So what? Electric Ladyland has some everything on it. So okay. Crosstown Traffic, right? Oh yeah, that's my jam. <laughs> still raining, still pouring, right? Oh, uh, 1983, A Merman I Shall Turn to Be. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Voodoo Child, one. And then what he had to do? Voodoo, voodoo Child, slight return. Was it not quite? Slight, slight return. return. Slight return. <laughs> you know what I mean? Slight return on that bad boy. Okay. And then the, the, the great, great cover. The great, great cover of the Dylan song. All along the, the Watchtower. Watch All right. On that album. Okay. That album, he is killing it. Uh -huh. Killing it. Have you ever been? Ooh. Have you ever been to Electric Lady Land? <laughs> Jimmy brought it out. All right, y'all. I, I think the, the coronavirus quarantine <laughs> is getting to him, which which is good. Number seven, Electric <laughs> Lady Land. All right. By Jimbo. All right, I'm going in order. That was, that was good, though. That was, that was going to be hard to follow up. Uh, 1981, um, I discovered actually later than that, but that the album was released in 1981. Psychedelic First, Talk, Talk, Talk album. I ended up with a cassette of it. I don't even know how. Uh, years later, probably in the 80s, and uh, well, later in the 80s, and I really enjoyed it. At first, I didn't get what the Pretty and Pink, and I, that wasn't my favorite, but like Dumb Waiters and some of those other ones on it, I just loved. And so I listened to that one over and over, well beyond uh, the time that people were interested in it. So, and it opened my eyes to, to that scratchy, not quite in tune. I really loved it because it seemed like he was just pouring himself into it. Right. So, you know, it didn't have to sound great, but it has to. I had to feel it, and he had to be saying something. So, what's so, all on that album? Is good it, question. Okay. It, <laughs> he got pretty and pink. He's. I don't. I don't. I'm not good at remembering all that. I can just tell you that Dumb Waiters is my absolute. That's that's, that's one of my my songs. That's, yeah, okay. and that's on that album. So. All right. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um. So for me. I gotta go like circa 1974, 1975, right? Okay. Um, 
I was just coming out my Jackson 5 phase. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, I just seen like Slide and Family Stone live okay. in person. <laughs> Shot Ohio players live and in person. All right. So, uh, and then this just great album. messing around with uh, Shining Star. Okay. Shining Star, no matter who we are, shining bright to see. That was on That's the Way of the World by EWF, The Elements, Ooh. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. So not only do you have that, y'all, you got Yearning Learners, what you do. Yeah. You know, Yearning Learners on that album, right? Reasons on that album, oh, yeah. right? You know, yeah. you know that's yeah. the jam. I ain't going to even mess around with that because yeah. I don't want to just get y'all just tuning out to hear me doing that. <laughs> and of course, you know, that's the way the world was just the jam. And then right after that, they did, um, I actually saw them live here in Detroit circa 1975-76. It was at the old, what was called Pine Knob at the time. Oh, yeah. Right. Greatest concert I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable stuff that they did. It was unreal. And then right after that, they came out with the Gratitude album. And I tell you, after that, I started feeling I was responsible for for groups coming out with live albums, right? (laughs) Because I saw the Commodores live on that album that had like Brickhouse on it, Zoom, uh, Easy, all the rest of that, yeah. right? So I saw them live, like what they do? Live album. Right after that. Live album. What they trying to say? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I go see them. They got to come up with a live album. Live album. That's the way it works. That's the way I felt about it. Wow. But anyway, you know, cool. that's, that's my number six. Wow. That's the way the world by Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's what I was about to say, and you're responsible for live albums, boy. I got <laughs> hey, to, hey, I got it was to, all me. It was all me. It was all me. All me. The only thing that came out without me was Frampton Comes Alive. I wasn't uh, at that show. I don't know why they did it. Uh, yeah. You know, and you know, nobody heard of that album. Oh, so. <laughs> all right. Okay, what number was that for you? Well, number six. Okay, so my number six, again, I discovered it years later because, of course, I'm reactionary and don't like anything when it's popular. So, the next one, chronologically, is 1985, Kate Bush, Hounds of Love. And that one has, like, Cloud Bursting and some of those other records on there. But, of course, I couldn't like it when it was on the radio, when they were playing the video. But years later, and I still love it. So, it's on my... So, I, I love it because... I realize she is just channeling who she is and she wasn't afraid to be different then and of course she's not afraid to be different now and I guess what she's in just turned in her 60s early 60s and she's still doing it so that was when I discovered Kate Bush that's awesome yeah so my next one is alright hold on Y'all. But anyway, uh, that, was, that was me messing around with I Want You Back okay. by the Jackson 5. But it's not really that album, though. So, what the album that really did it for me, because um, we didn't we didn't really have their first couple of albums, but it was the Jackson 5, circa 1970, 1971. Uh, they did, a, they did a, a, a television show okay. that they turned into an album. 
and it had a combination of them doing like skits and stuff like that, okay. and then also with a live performance. Oh, yeah. And the name of that album is going back to Indiana. Oh, yeah. And so that is the album that influenced me the most because that was the album, you know, we were living in Las Vegas at the time, and I remember telling people that Jessify was on it completely clear the streets. And oh, so well, it everybody like, went in. Everybody went to see it, you know, and that, that's oh, when wow. we only had those television stations. So for me, it is going back to Indiana by the Jackson Five. That is my number five. No, so number five for me, again, if we're going chronologically, is NWA Straight Out of Compton, 1988. All right. The reason why, and, and it's an unusual choice, but the reason why it is so impactful is that it opened my mind to, I guess, the fact that I could like the thug type rap yeah. if done. It, as well as that, that that album was the bomb, and I didn't want to like it. I really didn't want to like it. Yeah. And it it, it 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 privately blew me away. It was one of those private joys. It's like you can't tell anybody. But song after song after song on that one are. I mean, those are the ones that that if if I'm gonna play a rap lineup, I still will play today. Yeah. That that album is that is like a masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it truly is. If 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 there's a rap album that's in the Smithsonian. Yeah. Yeah. That album was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and, and that could have easily have made my list. Yeah. that album is just... Well, and I'm saying, we enjoyed that one together. Yeah, And again, yeah, you close the blinds, you close the door. Yeah, that was... You put on your earbuds, you know, whatever. You, you, that's a private joy. Yeah, I think a friend of mine or somebody let me hear it at yeah. work. And, I, and, you know, I was like, I was not expecting to like it. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. This thing is yeah, unbelievable. and I definitely wasn't expecting to like it. So yeah. that that's that's the reason why I made my list. That's great. That's great. That's a good one. All right. So here's my um, number four. So that is intro. And intro was on the album Mirror by Larry Graham and Graham Central Station. So that album was it for me for playing bass. I mean, for the longest when I was growing up and I was trying to decide, well, A, there was two things that happened. First, when I first saw Jermaine Jackson, I thought Jermaine Jackson played guitar. So I wanted to be a guitar player. I definitely wanted to be a guitar player. I always loved the sound of guitar. I wanted to be a guitar player. And then my cousin broke my heart and proved to me unequivocally <laughs> that Jermaine Jackson played bass. Aww. I was like, God. <laughs> so at that point, it kind of tuned my ears towards listening to bass. Mm. And I started hearing a lot of great bass lines. I was like, well, bass is not that bad yeah. of an instrument at all, you know? And then there was a guy I was we were growing up and here in Detroit and it's a guy about three houses down and you know he was playing uh he was about sixteen or something like that and he was playing that mirror album and he was playing that drum. And he was playing that with the record. Yeah. And it was like, Wow, you mean to tell me you could learn how to play the bass 
by yourself by listening to records and replicating what the record is doing and he's playing this song this is unbelievable just the sound of the bass it was like oh this was a whole different level so that really kind of got me like oh man I I think I'm leaning towards being a bass player so that was like that was my real introduction to Larry Graham now later I you know I learned that he played um, Thank You For Let Me Be Myself Again by Sly and the Family oh, Stone. Yeah. And so I'm just saying, you know, when I discovered Larry and, and Thumping and Plucking, oh, yeah. that was it for me. <laughs> so, Woo. Mirror, Grand Central Station, number four for me. Cool. Okay, so my number four is I'm going chronologically again, 1991. And I really can't let uh, grunge go. So Pearl Jam 10 album. Yeah. That one blew my mind. And from from cover to cover, uh, metaphorically, um, I still love every song on there. Yeah. When anything fails on Pearl Jam, I can always throw back on the 10 album and I'm back refreshed with why I like yeah. it in the first place. You know, even flow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeremy. Once, once, once upon a time. is my song. That is my song oh, on that album. Yes, that that was speaking to me because it's it's the inner angsty you yeah. that we all had a craziness and and it it really spoke to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm still alive. Yeah, but yeah it's just yeah. yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah, that and was Jeff like Max on that record playing Frederick Space, unbelievable. Oh yeah, unbelievable. So again, that's another record that probably could have made it for me. Yeah, so that's um, good. One. <laughs> So that was Stanley Clark, Rock and Roll Jelly, uh-huh. from Modern Man album. Wow. Right. So now, as I was telling the story before, right, the whole thing about me getting into electric bass, that kind of thing. So, you know, I heard Larry doing his thing, whether it was POW or, or you know, uh, intro or all the other kind of stuff that he was doing, thumping and plunking. And then, of course, I'll uh, get the funk off my face oh, yeah. and come out, you know, with Lewis doing his thing, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and so many other great bass songs in the 70s. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But then I heard this Modern Man record by Stanley Clark. And um, at first, I didn't even know that 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 was a bass line. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a guitar line. So I was just waiting on the bass to come in (laughs) because everything that I had known about bass, you know, Stanley Clark completely defied it. So Stanley Clark, for me, is the person that really made me just completely fall in love with the bass as an instrument. And just in the fact that he kind of showed me that the instrument could be a chording instrument. You know, you can chord on it, you can mm-hmm. do chords on it. So that means you can write songs on it. Yeah. You know, and so to me, it, it gave me the best of both worlds. So not only can I do a groove, but I can also do the chords for the groove mm-hmm. all on the same instrument. Mm-hmm. And that's what sealed it for me and made me say, I got to be a bass player. Right. You got to be right. Now, I know it's people with Stanley Clark that, you know, feel like everything that he did to the bass was kind of sacrilegious, you know, because he made the bass sound like a guitar, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people hate that part about it. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, love Jocko mm-hmm. more than they like Stanley mm-hmm. because, you know, Jocko, you know, innovated on the bass, but at all times it always sounded like a bass. Mm-hmm. But he just took it to a different space, mm-hmm. you know. And don't get me wrong, Jocko is unbelievable. 
But just for me, what did it for me was Stanley Clark and and just all the things that he, he did. And he showed that the bass could be a lead instrument. It could be a chording instrument. It could be everything a guitar is and even more. Mm-hmm. And that's what did it for me. And it all started. The gateway drug for me, <laughs> for Stanley, was Modern Man. And then after that, I got School Days. I got Journey to Love, the Stanley Clark record, and all the other stuff after that. So yeah. that was it for me. Modern Man is number three Ooh, on my wow. list. Okay, I'm sorry. I cannot have this list without having this album on here. This is 2006, and it is Bourgeoisie Paper Jams. Welcome to my world album. I know we're not supposed to pat ourselves on the back, but it was the album that when we did this album, it let me know what we were capable of, that we could actually be, I guess, somebody who could be impactful who could be danceable, who could um, give a message, and who could look good. Because we hadn't spent enough time to me working on our look and all that. And for that album, we did all of that. And so it was the first one that opened me up to where we are now. And I know for the 10 years after that, we kind of went through a little little cuckoo-ville, a little down the rabbit hole. But... But now that we're back, I always look back to that and that first little glimmer of light, that first, the doorway opening up. Right. As to what I know we were capable of. So, yeah, yeah. it was, that was, that was important for me. I needed to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was definitely a pivotal record. So, yeah. 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 Cool. So, my number two is. that was it for me. Now, so I first heard this record through a cassette that my brother had. Okay. So my brother had the whole record on cassette. Okay. And so um, side one to me was the side that had Uptown on it. Side two to me mm-hmm. was a side that had Dirty Mind on it. Oh, wow. You know, so, so that's, that's the way that I heard oh, the record. Wow. You know, so for me, that was the way I knew the record that's for the so longest. Weird. And then I finally saw the album and I said, oh, the sides are reversed. Reversed, right. You know, because when I saw the album, I said, you got this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Side one is Uptown. Uh, Uptown starts no, the album. No. And it was like, that just seemed like it's because it's got a broken it heart is. again. You know, with with the gunshot yeah. and all the rest of that stuff, that seemed like the perfect closer for the record for me. So, so to me, that that's was weird. that's the way that. that I always took that album in. Oh wow! But that album did a lot for me because that album was one of those records, and you know, I this in no way I hope demeans the genius of Prince, mm. but for me, when I heard it, it made making music possible. It was like, to me, I felt like somebody else was interested in pulling together all the different styles that I wanted to hear together. Mm -hmm. You know, all the sounds that I want to hear together, the rock with that, because it was like Uptown had this this Rolling Stone-esque kind of Mm -hmm. feel to it, which, you know, I just, you know, we just got into like that, yeah, um, some girls album, you know, a couple oh, yeah. of years before. And so you know, it had Shattered on it and some of the other ones uh, that Stones had on that record. 
And so it had it had that part of it. It had the funky part of it, and then it had the new wave aspect yeah. to it. Uh-huh. So so it had all of those elements going together. And so for me, that's why that album just and it was so raw. It was like yeah. it yeah, was it, really it was, was so raw and in your face. It you know it, it felt like a demo, but you know, but in no way was did it feel unfinished. Yeah. You know, it just it, like had, it just felt so indie to mm-hmm. me, so independent, mm-hmm. so that, and so it was always kind of the record. I think I always aspired to make mm-hmm. was that record, and it was a record that I always kind of felt like it was my goal to make it, and it was like, man, I it made me feel like I could do it. So mm-hmm. that's why that record means so much. Oh, I like that one. That one's a good one too. Um, okay, so I'm going to follow up. My number two is another Prince record. Prince Hit and Run, Phase One. And the reason why it made my list is uh, last year was a really tough year as far as trying to get through the work-work situation where you know where you collect your check. And taking that drive, it was the 45, it could be hour drive if I caught traffic wrong, mm-hmm. um, back and forth. But in the morning, to stay awake and to stay focused, it was that album that kind of pulled me through. It was my playlist. And what I liked about it was it opened the door for me for Prince collaborating with newer sounding music. Okay, yeah. And so I really liked that. Prince was had always been known for combinations, but he had a more of a stagnant period, it seemed like, in the middle. Right. But that was him, again, trying new stuff, and it actually worked for me. Right. And it was it was it it pulled me through that, that period of time. So, that's great. So it marks a period of time for me. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So for me, my and, and this actually may be my number one album, but I don't know if it's my number one impactful album. I just think that maybe... This is one of those records for me that might be like the greatest record of all time. Oh wow! As like in recorded Jeez. history of albums. Jeez. That you know, <laughs> I don't know if you if you get better than this. And I think you know, I remember when this record came out, and it it I think I knew it then, and I was probably oh, all wow. of eleven or twelve. That you know what I was listening to was something unbelievably special. Okay, all right. And so um, it is. Oh, yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. That's I Wish from Stevie Wonder's just masterpiece of a record. Uh, songs in the key of life, oh, yeah. which is just unbelievable. And the part that's that's so unbelievable about it is that you know Stevie had so many records even before that. You know, I mean, Intervisions, you know, fulfilling his first finale. You know, those records were just all awesome mm-hmm. records. You know, um, you know, and then of course, um, you know. Um, Hotter than July. Oh, that's my jam. Master Blaster. Yeah, it was even awesome, too. But it was this record that just had so many just awesome tunes on it. You know, whether it's, you know, I Wish or, you know, um, uh, Isn't She Lovely, Joy Inside My Tears, uh, Knocks Me Off My Feet, Ass, uh, Unbelievable, Summersoft, uh, Ordinary Pain. Oh, jeez. It's, it's like the list just goes on. Oh, yeah. Pastime Paradise. Yeah. Um, 
ah, just an unbelievable record. So that to me is, I, you know, again, I, I, I don't know if it had the biggest influence on me, but it, I think it's one of the greatest records that. Well, I guess it did. If it, if it's got you going wow, 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 it, it, that's it, it has me doing that. But I, you know, I, I I just think as far as what influenced me music wise, I don't know if it had as much of an influence on me music wise as some of the other records that I that okay. I mentioned. Um, however, just as a record of just appreciating the, the art and right. the songwriting yeah. and all the rest of that kind to of To me, stuff. that seemed like that did have an impact. You know, oh, no, it did. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I can't say it had the yeah. most okay. impact. You know, I, I can't I, I can't truthfully say that it had a bigger impact on me than Dirty Mind did. Okay. You know, uh-huh. but, but as far as just, you know, looking at it and saying, wow. Yeah, you know, I you know, I, I think songs in Key Life is one of those type of records where you say, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> <So I> quit, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's just uh, one of those, type, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, awesome, though. Right? That that's just how Aww. great that record is. Oh jeez, whatever. Oh, it's hard for me to follow that <laughs> one up. All right, I'm gonna follow up my last one. My number one is. In 2000, well, I realized it was released in 2013, and I didn't know. Um, is Stromae's Racing Carrie? When we were going to Paris or two years ago, we decided to explore what type of music they listened to there, and we discovered Stromae. And again, similar to Prince, he just had some of everything as far as styles wise, as far as having the look and the fashion and the dance and the, all that. And it just blew my mind that he was so popular in the world and that I never heard of him. Right. That yeah. we had never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, and then, you know, the more I learned, you know, that he had this worldwide impact, it again opened the door for me to say, just because the people down the street don't know about what we're doing doesn't mean that we can't have an impact worldwide that, that, you know, that it resonates somewhere. And so to me, just it reminds me how big the world is right. and how much room there is for all of us to do. What well, we do. And the thing about Stromae, too, is that, you know, it, the interesting thing is that we weren't necessarily pulled into Stromae by hype. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah. we, we don't know what the press kit was. Yeah. We never knew what the press right. kit was. Right. We didn't was. know until after that he had been to South by Southwest. Right. And that, that, he had done that, so many other things. So- World Soccer. Right. He had done the theme song for that. We didn't know all that at yeah, the right. time when we first discovered it. It's just that as we were going through the stuff, you know, as you're sifting through stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, he was the stuff that just kept. Pop it up. And he had something out. different every time. Yeah, and with it the was video, like, the videos were inventive. Right. The dances were cool. The and ideas. The songs were, seemed yeah. like they were very well put together. Just, yeah. just everything, you know. And it, 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 he had these concepts, and he always seemed like whatever he was doing in the video, that the video actually served the song and told the story of the song. Mm-hmm. So even though. We didn't understand the, the language, words right? It's, it's all in French. We finally so got the meaning of what was being conveyed in the yeah. song because yeah. the videos were just so, you know, intertwined yeah. with it. And then, you know, come to find out that, you know, he actually has a lot to do with the video production. Yeah, him and his too. brother, that he was a film major, but his brother is a filmmaker. Right. Yeah. So, and then his wife is a. Um, is a fashion designer, so the clothes, just everything, kind of went together. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, he's just one of those artists that you know. I mean, it's 
it's rare that you find that where the artist actually, you know, exceeds the hype. Right. You know, and he's one of those that definitely And it's does. now, it's current. And I guess that's yeah. the other part is that a lot of times I find that I'm looking back at all these wonderful people that did these wonderful things. Right. And I guess for me, for now and for where we're going, we I needed the confirmation that this is possible now. Yeah. So that that's the reason why he um was the last thing on my list and, and chronologically last thing on my list. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? What are your top ten most impactful albums in your musical history? Please leave it in the link below. We'd love to hear what's on your list and how they impacted you. What else? Uh, I don't know. We got the funk album, the funk album, the uh, funk album, the funk album. Yeah, well, you know, that's going to be coming. So, yeah. but, 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 hey, I thought you were the saying like, what else? I'm doing out or something like that. Well. I'm not doing that anytime soon. But. Well, and hopefully this whole quarantine thing will be over soon. Yeah. But in the meantime, you know, because we want to travel, but we want to do it safely. So. Yeah. And, and we we're focusing yeah. our attention. That there's gonna be a lot of things that probably are different, might not go forward, or yeah. might be different than what we had, you know, before. Planned so. before so. But the album's gonna come out regardless. Sugar Fit yeah. is coming out, it's coming out, yeah, it's so. definitely coming out. So, we'll let you know more in the episodes to come. If you dig the vibe, be sure to subscribe. We're wishing you love, peace, and chicken grease. Yay.